This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. This is Tim Hughes, co-author of Smarketing, How to Achieve Competitive Advantage Through Blended Sales and Marketing. And you are listening to the Marketing Book Podcast. Welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast, helping you keep up with the smartest thinking in the quickly changing field of modern marketing. And now, here's your host, Douglas Burdett. Hello, thanks for joining me on the Marketing Book Podcast, where each week I publish an interview with the author of a new marketing or sales book, and which was named by LinkedIn as one of 10 podcasts that will make you a better marketer. My goal for this podcast is to help you discover new ideas in order to succeed in the quickly changing field of modern marketing and sales. Don't worry about taking notes. You can find links to everything linkable in this episode's show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com. And since you're a listener to the Marketing Book Podcast, if I can recommend a specific marketing or sales book or some other helpful resource that I know of for whatever situation you find yourself in, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn where we can chat and I'll try to point you in the right direction. Also, I'd like to thank our sponsor, Blinkist. Blinkist is an app that takes the key insights from the best nonfiction books and distills them into a format that you can read or listen to in just 15 minutes on your smartphone. Several of the books featured on the Marketing Book Podcast are on Blinkist. Right now, Blinkist has a special offer for Marketing Book Podcast listeners where you can sign up for free at Blinkist.com slash Marketing Book Podcast. Blinkist is spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. And if you opt for the paid version, you'll get an additional 20% off, but only if you go to Blinkist.com slash podcast or just click on the link at marketingbookpodcast.com. And now, on with the show. Today, we welcome Tim Hughes to the Marketing Book Podcast to talk about the book he has co-authored with Adam Gray and Hugo Witcher, Smarketing. How to Achieve Competitive Advantage Through Blended Sales and Marketing. Tim Hughes is recognized as one of the world's leading exponents of social selling, and he is currently ranked number one by Analytica as the most influential social selling person in the world. He was responsible for a large-scale sales transformation within Oracle, the result of which delivered in excess of $100 million in sales uplift. He is currently leading a number of sales transformation programs in large B2B organizations. He is also co-founder and CEO of Digital Leadership Associates and is co-author of the book, Social Selling Techniques to Influence Buyers and Changemakers. And Interesting fact, on his LinkedIn profile, where most people have what their current job is under their name, Tim has, should have played Quidditch for England. Tim, congratulations on Smarketing, and welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast. Thank you, Doug. Really appreciate it. Um, really excited. So explain the, the Quidditch for England line there, instead of saying, you know, world-famous social selling expert uh, and all-around great guy. Well, that's actually uh, something that we teach our people in all our social selling consulting and uh, coaching which is that um you need the whole point of linkedin is for you to, to be different mm-hmm. the last thing you need is to be like all the other uh, linkedin profiles right um and and the whole point is that this that linkedin is about for you to for someone to find you and engage um i'm actually going through the process of rewriting my linkedin profile at the moment 
um, that title is actually a stopgap before I put something else in. But the fact that you found it and thought it was interesting, um, it, it worked. Yes. I might keep it. That tingling means it's working, Tim. I might keep it. Right. So longtime listeners to the Marketing Book Podcast will yeah. know that one of the host's favorite topics is the intersection of sales and marketing, which is why yeah. we have a lot of sales books on the show and not a lot of books about branding. So when a book comes along with the title Smarketing, I just had to interview you. Smarketing, sales, and marketing. So, Tim, let me ask you a question. Yeah. How are you feeling? I'm, I'm well, thank you. Good. Yeah, I'm good. Okay. Yeah. You think the interview is going pretty well? Um, well, so far, so good, yeah. Okay. Well, good. Let's talk about death. Okay. I want to go in a completely different direction and read something from uh, page uh, 17 here. So I hope okay. the listeners I hope the listeners ready for this. You say marketing in its current form is dead. Not in its death throes, but already dead. It is just that many marketing departments have not yet realized it. Like the chicken running around the farmyard with its head cut off, marketing is simply going through the motions. Like the ceremonial guards at the royal palace, Marketing has become a rather outmoded and irrelevant exercise. Tim Hughes, yep. explain why you argue that marketing in its current form is dead. So we saw a massive change take place uh, last year in 2018 um, with the um, uh, introduction of GDPR in um, 25th of May. Um, so... Most organizations, certainly within um, within Europe, have so we've deleted our email database. Uh, we don't collect emails, um, and um, most people in uh, Europe have seen their have cut their email databases in half because of the way that they need to now comply with GDPR. And this is something that uh, you know GDPR. You have to comply with GDPR if you want to um, market to me anywhere in the world. So if you're in the US, you have to comply with GDPR if you want to market to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you've also got um, legislation, or the coming GDPR-like legislation coming in in California. So what we're finding is that actually everybody's really busy. We've all um, got our jobs. We've got you know got to go and pick the children up from football. We've got to go and do this and do that. And we've actually we're actually completely annoyed with any sort of interruption. We now have the power of our fingertips. At tips, if we want to go and buy something. We will go online and 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 basically research it and buy it. Um, so, you know, even my mother does it, and she's eighty-one. Um, and um, yeah, but her son is Tim Hughes. <laughs> uh, yeah, but um, so you know, we you know we're in a situation now where we 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 have the power to go online and and actually uh, uh, buy stuff. And if people come and actually interrupt us, it annoys us. So any form of interruption marketing, whether it be advertising, whether it be cold calling, whether it be email, we find that uh, annoying and disruptive. And now we can, we've got not only legislation, so GDPR, but we've got also technology. So, for example, if you cold call me, you know, in the past, you know, you would have cold called me and 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 bullied me into buying something. Now, if you cold call me, all I have to do with my iPhone is block you. So you only cold call me once. Like everybody cold calls me gets blocked. Mm-hmm. If you send me unsolicited emails, 
I will first of all check to see whether you're GDP compliant. If you're not, I will report you to the ICO, whether you're American, Australian or whatever. And the next thing I do is I create a rule and immediately the second email you send will go straight into junk. Everything that we do as buyers, we're absolutely had enough of all this interruption. Now, there'll be marketing people listening that will go, yes, but I've got this really great product. And I and if you if I just got it in front of you, you'd see how great it is. We're not interested. We're not interested in your products. We're not interested in your services. Nobody cares. And, you know, one person may write, write to you and say, yeah, well, I did this email campaign and, and something, you know, this really happened. Yeah, but I've got a friend and um, his mum lived to 95 and she was a, a, a smoker all her life. Now, if you use that one piece of information, then what we should actually all be doing is smoking because it sounds like for that, for, for you know, Gene lived to 95 smoking all the time then maybe the only way that we're going to be 95 is to smoke but we know that's not the case so we can't take one piece of information and then extrapolate that out across the market we're getting cmo after cmo coming to us and saying marketing isn't working anymore this is not us saying this this is not us as in having a vested interest this is cmos that are coming to us and we're also seeing cmos that are putting together old school events email marketing uh, all of this stuff being fired. Mm. And, you know, it's and the thing is, is what we're seeing companies right now is that they're scared. They're scared because what used to work doesn't work anymore. And the only way that you can make it work is to either throw more money at it or throw more people at it. And what we've done is that we've actually found something that allows you to get the results for actually half the money and half the people and half the time. And that's revolutionary. Right. And what we're doing is that we're transforming organizations to actually position them where their clients are and their clients are on social. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this isn't about, I'm just looking at, I've just looked at someone's LinkedIn profile and they're complaining about people going on trying to sell them stuff at LinkedIn. And this is, this is the issue. This isn't about going on to social and selling. That's not social selling. Mm -hmm. That's selling on social. You know, an in-mail is just a cold call over a social network. It's not social selling. Social selling is a complete transformation in the way that we work. And what we've found, because we're talking about this marketing book, is that as we've transformed sales teams, so, for example, all of our sales teams that we transform learn to blog. Now, that's typically been a marketing thing, creating content. And marketeers can carry on creating content, though a lot of what, content is created if it's corporate content we're not interested in because it's just a brochure and it's the same everybody else they all say we're number one with a market leader you know it's like the charles atlas um, bull worker you know you can have a body like mine in six weeks if you pay for this we don't believe it and nobody buys into it <laughs> and in the book you talk about just how much people distrust advertising i had not seen that it was like 75 yeah. percent something like that yeah, yeah, absolutely. People absolutely, uh, uh, dis you know, disrupt advertising. And mm -hmm. we're seeing people buy advertising, and they get nothing from it at all. Yeah. And, and so what we're seeing is not just uh, the fact that sales is transforming, but marketing as, as it was. So what got you here won't get you there. And we're seeing that transformation take place in marketing as well. Yes. Yeah, so let me ask you then, Tim, with all this talk of death and destruction, is there any point in the future for marketing departments? Most definitely, yes. Ah, okay. Yeah. So the reason why we wrote the books marketing was that 
you know, we'd seen article after article after article about sales should work closely, more closely to marketing. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, n- no, you, you don't say. Uh, and um, uh, oh, you mean you stop, should stop throwing stones at each other over email? Each other? Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, um, revolutionary. Um, I even saw one yesterday. I think it was a marketing profs or or something where uh, what you need to, do, you know, the the top ten things you need to do in twenty nine, which is you need to talk to salespeople. So we were just fed up of seeing article after article saying, you know, you need to either merge sales and marketing or you need to work closely together and actually come up with an answer. Because there's so many people on social that whinge about stuff, but they don't actually want to see it through and actually come up with with a result. Right. And let me ask you, though, Tim, explain why it's a good idea, because I've run into a lot of businesses who are thinking, well, why? You know, let's, maybe it's the CEO who came up through sales and they think marketing is the coloring in department, as you describe, or yeah. as I like to say, the arts and crafts party planners who work in the yeah. make it pretty department, yeah. which is not true, but it's, well, yeah. sometimes it's true, but, but it's, a, kind of pace, yeah. it's a perception. Yeah. And they think of the yeah. cow, they think of the salespeople as maybe lazy yeah. cowboys who don't yeah. want to work hard. So explain uh, what's going on in the universe, why it makes sense for marketing and sales to work more closely together, and what the benefits are to companies that are able to get more marketing and sales alignment or smarketing. Okay, so one of the things that we um, set out to do is make sure that this is not a takeover. This is not marketing taking over sales or sales taking over marketing. This is about the two organizations having a common purpose and how you actually get more efficiency and effectiveness from that common purpose by merging the two things. Now, what we're seeing, for example, as I said earlier on, is uh, salespeople are now creating their own content. You know, to be on social, you need to be insightful, you need to be educational. Your client is looking for an expert and they're looking and checking you out on social and they're expecting you to be an expert. So, you know, see, you know, that LinkedIn is not about being a CV. LinkedIn is about your why, uh, what you've learned, and for somebody to go, if I'm going to spend $150,000 on a new accounting system, I need to talk to a salesperson, but I want to talk to one that I believe that I can build a relationship with. Mm-hmm. You know, in B2C, if you buy a pair of shoes, you won't know the name of your salesperson. If you spend $150,000 on a new accounting system, you will know the name of your uh, salesperson, and a relationship is important. Mm-hmm. So. Salespeople now are creating their own content. They're showing themselves as being leaders. What marketeers can do, therefore, is they can actually provide the guidance to the salespeople in terms of this is the sort of content uh, you would uh, you should be writing, or these are the key words this week or this month we would like you to write into the content. You know, if we've had an instance where we lost a piece of business and we found out what the client was particularly uh, searching for and it was not something that we actually realized what we were able to do is actually write content and immediately uh, within a week we were on page one of google Mm -hmm. so just so you know we're not within our organization we put out a unique piece of content every single day we get three pieces of inbound every single day we have over 60 percent of uh share of voice for social selling and our competitors have 37 times more people than we do. So what you what was what I'm explaining to you is the when I say efficiency and effectiveness, what we're doing is that we've cr- t- turned our lead generation machine. Now, 
Uh, we don't do any outbound. We don't do any cold calling. We don't do any advertising. We don't do any email marketing. We don't attend any events. But we have more share of voice than any of our competition. That doesn't mean that we get more business, but it means that if you're coming online and you're searching for what we provide, you are more likely to find us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what we've done with marketing is that we've actually we've said, right, let's let's take the pipeline and whatever you want to call it as a concept and actually look at that pipeline and work out who are the best people down through that process to actually look at, at to actually work that pipeline. Now, the reason why we're working with Hugo is because you're going to say who's doing this. Uh, now, I can't mention the company that he works for, but if you look him up on uh, LinkedIn, you suddenly will find out. Mm-hmm. They are that that company. Could would, it be your former employer, Tim? The one that I mentioned during the introduction? Okay, go ahead. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, now, they would be seen as being a large conservative organization, you know, and they're doing this. So they were doing it when I was working there. I actually helped. I was actually starting the project and actually bringing the now it from an organizational perspective, they're separate organizations on an organization chart, but the way they work and, and we use social internally, well, they use social internally as a way of, of uh, and, uh, working together is that they actually have brought the organizations together to work and, and say, right, we're not going to do this, this situation where somebody, where people create leads and then hand them over and then nothing gets done to them. What we're going to do is we're going to look at the pipeline and work on it all the way down through the process. And so generally what we're seeing now is that at the top, there would be what we would call a marketer, but it would be that person would be a top of the funnel person, middle of the funnel. Generally, we're seeing that as being some sort of specialist, probably not a salesperson. And then bottom of the funnel, you generally get the salesperson coming in, and that person is kind of the closer. Now, I'm not saying exactly where top, middle, and bottom up is, but that that I'm just using that as a metaphor to give the, the listeners some guidance in terms of the way that we're seeing the pipeline and the way that sales and marketing works in the future. Would it be accurate to describe it as, uh, in the old days, there was maybe marketing to sales handoff, handing the baton on the relay race. Whereas now it's a two or or a few people sort of holding hands throughout the whole buyer journey. Yeah. The thing that you need to, everybody needs to understand is that, that, you know, this isn't about having the two separate organizations. It's about bringing it together. Mm -hmm. So we're not, there's not necessarily a handoff because in fact, it's the same organization. Yes. But as you go through the process, if you think about the classic CB Gartner of the people are now 57% of the way through the buying process when they make contact, then what they're looking for at that point is that they would have actually done their validation because usually what happens is that people are 35% of the way through the process when they actually um, have worked out what it is they want. Mm-hmm. So they know what they want. And it's a case when they first make contact, which is validation that they have a particular requirement and what it is that they're looking for. And that's where we're seeing the, the introduction of the more specialist person to basically, in, in a way, it's a kind of a qualification, but that person is a more softer salesperson rather than the sort of end of process mm-hmm. closing type person. Yeah. Well, Tim, let me ask you something about the control and you talked about it throughout the book about how the buyer is now in charge of 
what they're buying and, and the journey they want to take. Do you sense that there are still a lot of marketeers and salespeople who either don't believe that or don't understand that? Uh, yes. And, and, and I, you know, there'll be a thousand people writing on, um, on LinkedIn saying um, that salespeople are weak and, and, and are less men or women because they're not, um, um, they're not in charge. Now, salespeople can still take charge. We're not actually saying that they're, they're not taking charge. But it's not the Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross days. No, 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 it's not. It's no, and you know, there's a lot of people that will be having the Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross type, you know, conversations. But this is not some sort of we have to do it because we're macho. This is, you know, we take control because what we want to do is actually guide salespeople down the process. Because you know, I've been selling accounting systems for 25 years. There's nothing that I know more about how to buy an accounting system than the person who's buying it. So yes, you would guide that. But what we're seeing is an empowered buyer. Right. So when so classic people, when, when we talk about leads and I'm doing inverted commas with my fingers, okay. we, we, we quite often think about someone that is, oh, yeah, I'm thinking about buying an accounting system or an HR system and I'm not really sure what to do. And it's like, well, we'll take control of them and, and whatever. The buyer now has gone online. You know, they've. Uh, there's some research recently that if someone's spending over a hundred thousand dollars, they would have researched for 40 hours online. Now, so they know who the competition are. They know who you, what your what your functionality is. Um, they know what your price is. I, I mean, I know someone four years ago at a company that I I can't mention that they had a phone call from a, a person. They said, "We've actually been online. We've looked at your videos, um, and yours is a company. Yours is a product we want to buy." Mm-hmm. And they said, well, don't you want a demo? I said, no, you, or we've got, there's a demo on the YouTube. We've watched it. <laughs> Shut up and take my money. <laughs> the, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're obviously not a very good negotiator, but uh, that was four years ago. And and what we're seeing is that, that the buyers are, are, are very sophisticated. They understand what they want to buy. And so what happens to us is in the past, what happened, you were running around chasing all these sales uh, leads, wasting your time working out, you know, uh, do they have budget authority need and timescale? Now what happens is we get inbound and that inbound has budget authority need and time scale because they've gone and done all the running around for us. And now what we're finding is certainly when people that come to us, I've had a piece of inbound today where it's a particular organization. Um, we've been tracking them for 18 months and they've just said to me, um, we're buying social selling. This is the sales director. It will be a rollout in Germany and the US. And this is the CEO talking to me. If you've got any problems, come back to me. They've actually qualified in. I don't have to close. They've just mm-hmm. said, we're doing it. Uh, obviously, you know, we'll have a discussion about price. And so what's happened is there's been this big switch where we're now having buyers that are already band qualified. And what we've done as an organization is not talk about inbound, but actually have built a business that allows modern buyers to actually come to us and buy. And we've cut out all of the waste of what has been there in the past around branding and corporate content and stuff. Right, and that's an excellent description of why sales and marketing are needing to work more closely together. And from what I've seen, sometimes they're being uh, forced together, you know, perhaps against their will, <laughs> but they've got uh, to do it. Now, Tim, in keeping with the theme of death, <laughs> I should explain for the listener that the chapter one of your book is titled why marketing in its current form is dead. Yeah. And chapter two is why sales in its current form 
is dead. So you're, uh, yeah, you're you're very fair uh, on here. But is is would you say sales is dead or is it is it just sick? I mean, uh, you've given a little bit of insight into how it's how it's changed. I think in its in its current form, it, it has to transform. You know, there are so many people out there on social, ironically, try, who have a vested interest because they've been training for so many years on how sales used to work, mm-hmm. holding people back. And, you know, they are peddling this thing. You know, someone said, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, what if, if you connect to somebody on LinkedIn, what you need to do is phone them up. It's like, so you could build a relationship with somebody or you could phone them up and be just another salesman. Why would you do that? Why would you tell other salespeople to be just other salespeople and merge in with the vanilla of all this push and interruption? Because that's what they learned to do? Yeah, yeah. And nobody wants that anymore. You know, we see it time after time. You know, stop interrupting me. You know, if I want to buy it, then I'll come and see you. But we've got people that are, the now salespeople that are now building structures on social and building grids that will basically pull the rug from under the feet of their cold calling uh, competitors. Hmm. Uh, and what will happen is that those other companies will not know it's happening. And what will happen is that the other the, the competitive companies will have a bad quarter and they'll go, oh, God, that's a bad quarter. And then they'll have another bad quarter and then they'll have another bad quarter and then they'll file somebody and then they'll have another bad quarter. And slowly and slowly, they, they, they won't realize what's happened. And slowly, there'll be a demise. And this is the thing that people have to wake up to, is this transformation that's taking place. Hugo made a really good point about uh, digital marketing. You know, digital marketing, we thought was going to be here for another, like, 50 years. You know, it was like we designed marketing in 1930, carried on with it, hoping that would last, you know, for uh, for 50 years. And then digital marketing will be the same. And it's not. And Great example of what Hugo said to me when we were brainstorming one of the chapters. There's a lot of people talking about websites and stuff. He said, if someone comes to your website, you've lost a deal. I said, what do you mean? He said, you know, five years ago, someone came to your website. They filled in the web form, if they do. And that was seen as a lead. He said, now it's seen as a lost deal because people have started far earlier which is one of the things that we talk about in the book is about using intent data and being involved in far earlier in the process um, and engaging with people far in, early in the process. Now, we've always done that in sales and marketing or had an aspiration to do that, but we actually talk about how to do that. There's a chapter on account-based marketing and there's a chapter on tools which is about how you can get uh, engaged for uh, earlier in the process. And you've got to engage earlier in the process when you've got such a, a sophisticated buyer. So, Tim, since I do happen to have the co-author of the Social Selling uh, International Bestseller. I was yep. wondering if you could briefly explain what you mean by social selling and perhaps explain what social selling is not, because my sense is there's a lot of confusion about what social selling is. And I would also say yeah. there's probably a fair number of s- salespeople wasting time on yes. social yeah. not necessarily doing what they're supposed to be doing. Yes, there's a, there's a lot of things that I see on LinkedIn around what people think social selling is. It's like someone made a comment yesterday, said, I closed a deal today on the phone, which, which is why social selling doesn't work. It's like, you mean I don't ever pick up the phone? No. So, social selling provides you with an ability to connect with buyers. 
Now, social so LinkedIn or any part of social is not where you sell. And that's the difficulty that people have. Mm. So many people think that social selling is selling on social and it's not. So in Europe, especially with GDPR, your inability now to make contact with people through the telephone and email, what people have done is they've switched onto, uh, onto social. And I've had two emails today where people are basically uh, pitching stuff. That's not social selling. That's basically equivalent to cold calling. And I block those people. And I ask your listeners to do that as well. Don't mm -hmm. feel sorry for them. Block them. Yeah. Because until we actually do something about it, it will get it will carry on and it will get worse. And, and what will happen is that then people will leave the platform. That's that's great. Yeah, I usually report them as well. I, yeah, I, I report them as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. We we were same same opinion. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I I but sometimes I want. I'm just out of curiosity. I want to say, be honest. Does this really work? <laughs> And there, and the answer is probably sort of like the ninety-five-year-old smoker or the person who says, "Well, somebody won the lottery, so I'm going to play the lottery." Well, I do know of somebody in another city who actually made a sale by doing this, so I'm yeah. going to do it. And in fairness to these poor folks, they're probably being ordered to do it to keep their job. They probably are. Yeah. So, so, sell, so, social selling is not selling over social. Social is about building a relationship. Now. Buyers are looking for experts. So you create a personal brand. A personal brand is not like people often see this as some sort of distant thing like Brian Solis um, or whatever. I'll never achieve that. Now, the thing about uh, your it, it's about you. So should have played Quidditch for England. You know, you don't have to be a genius to have written that on your your LinkedIn profile. What that does, though, is it is created a discussion. No different than, you know, if I went to a networking event, I'd go walk in, pick up a coffee, walk up to somebody that was standing by themselves and say, hey, where'd you come from? Where'd you go to school? Oh, I'm a mum. And, and what we do is we build rapport. You know, and we're always looking for something that there's a connection between mm -hmm. us. That's what we do as humans. We're social people. And, you know, if you're then, if you come to, if so I'm Timothy Tim Hughes on uh, LinkedIn. So I put my profile up as an example for your uh, listeners to, to to come along and please connect with me and send me a little note. Don't send me, don't connect with me without a note, but send me a note saying, you know, I was listening to Doug's um, podcast and I'd love to connect. That would be nice. Yeah. 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 Look at my profile and, and what my profile is, is what is, you should look at that and go, do you know, if I met Tim Hughes, I think I'd really like him. Mm hmm. And, you know, if I had a social selling project, do you know, I'd give Timmy a call because I think I, I bet he could help me. Mm -hmm. I might not buy from him, but I bet he could help me and he, he could tell me the top 10 things where my project would go wrong. Right. Help point me in the right direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and of course, if you ring me and say, can you get, tell me the top 10 things? And I've then got an, an opportunity to pitch to you. I'm not going to do pitch to you, but I've got an opportunity to sell. So my job, is, that's my LinkedIn profile done my job for me. Which is why that we build our LinkedIn. Our, our, all of my company have amazing LinkedIn profiles because if we're going to stand up in front of people and say you need an amazing LinkedIn profile, you have to have one. And if you look at all of the people in Digital Leadership Associates, you'll find that we. You, you look at them and you go, "Yeah, I could. I like that person." Right. There's a human. There's probably a human behind that profile. So what you shouldn't do is write about your company and product. So the top bit, your summary is about your why what is it that gets you up in the morning what's it what what have you learned and one of the things that companies have to understand is that all the products are the same 
all accounting systems are the same. They, they all do similar. You, know, you want to raise a um, purchase order. You want to match it with a, an invoice. You want to calculate how much you've made at the end of the month. They're all the same. So how do you differentiate yourself? Well, you can say that you're number one, but everyone says they're number one. So actually, the only thing in organizations today that differentiates you is your people. Yes. And I recently interviewed Mark Schaefer about his book, Marketing Rebellion, and the subtitle of his book is The Most Human Company Wins. Yes. And Mark is probably the most closest person to getting it that I know. And sorry, if Mark, if you listen to that, that I don't think you get it. You're nearly there. I wrote that on a Facebook post. I'm, I'm friends with him. I'm saying I'm nearly there. He, he is getting it, getting there. Yes. Um, well, it's important for Mark to have goals. You know, you don't want to. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah. So what we're seeing is, and Mark's probably the, the closest we have mm-hmm. about what the trick now is to activate your people, not to tell them to stuff the world with your corporate content that nobody wants to read because it's the same as everybody else's but to talk about your company and services using their own tone of voice and their own personality. Mm-hmm. And so, as I said earlier on, we teach salespeople to blog. We also have marketers blogging and we also you know, teach employees to blog as well. Right. That's the, it, so in the past, what you had was a corporation standing on top of a, a roof with a megaphone, basically shouting out about how great they are. And that used to work beautifully, Tim, just it so you know. It did used to work beautifully, but we're too busy for it. I'm, I'm on the way to football practice with the kids, and I'm really not interested. Yeah? Yeah. For example, if we take Mark, for example, Mark Schaefer, we're interested in – I think Mark's brilliant. I, I love what he writes. Everything that he writes, I read. He provides some great insight to the world. Now, you will have people in your organization that can do that as well. They have people who follow them that love them. They'll be colleagues and they'll be friends and they'll be family. Now, I bet you if you took – so we've got a um, Singapore organization. We onboarded them earlier uh, last year. And um, uh, we were in a room onboarding them and we were looking out across the road at their telco. And we said, right, I'm just going to do this, work out what um, – I said, this is a business case for, for using marketing today. Right, go to Twitter, look at their um, Twitter. And they said 35,000 followers. That's not bad, 35,000 followers. All they tweet about, though, is whether you can get stuff priced cheaply. Mm. So I I looked them up on uh, Wikipedia. They have 4 million subscribers and 25,000 employees. So actually, they've got 35,000 followers on Twitter. That's crap. Because they've actually, there's actually what? Four million minus thirty-five thousand people of their customers are, aren't interested in what they're saying, so they're actually their marketing is crap. If you do this with IBM, exactly the same. They're not. No, nobody's interested in what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Now, if you that that telco has twenty-five thousand employees, if you activated 20 percent of those uh, employees, even if they had a hundred followers each, they would reach more people than the corporate Twitter account, and they would be believed. And they would be believed. And the people would amplify the stuff. So you'd get further and further and further and further. Yeah. And that is the difference and the transformation that we've seen taking place in sales and marketing. And that's the change that people have to grab hold of right now. Now, I understand. And yeah, you know, it may be still be working, 
But what we're seeing now with these CMOs where they're saying it's not it, marketing isn't working at the, moment, at the moment is that they're making the jump now before it completely crashes down around everybody's ears. Right, right. Well, uh, in our remaining time, I just wanted to ask you about there's so many things we could talk about, but what was great of great interest to me was some of the challenges of smarketing. In other words, this is about change, which is yep. naturally terrifying to people, and people are concerned. And you talk about how some of the challenges of trying to implement this smarketing, which is not really something you can just bolt onto the organization. This is change. And you talk about yes. one of the problems is there's there's just no pain. Um, there's maybe no buy-in from the top. There's there's turf wars between sales and marketing. And is there a prevalence of short-term versus long-term thinking? And of course, there's organizational inertia. And you know, sales might have some. You know, you're going to get some pushback from sales, possibly. It's yes. it's a wide variety of things. But what was extremely interesting to me is that one of the places of the greatest resistance to doing this is from marketing and marketers. Talk about why marketers are actually resistant to this and uh, some of the problems that points to. Yes, it's a really important point. I mean, there's a there's a chapter on what can go wrong. Right. Just so for your listeners to understand, the book is, there's a couple of chapters up front which explain the context of why we think that you should be doing smarting. The death the part. Rest of, yeah, the rest of the book is is about how to do it. Right. So this is not a book about where you get to the end and go, okay, I realize I've got a problem, but you haven't solved it. This book is about solving a problem. Right. You could uh, A CEO could throw this at their head of sales and marketing or the person that is now going to be in charge of both and say, this book, read it, go do it. Any questions, call Tim Hughes. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. It, that, that would be perfect. Thank you. <laughs> um, Whatever I can do to help, Tim. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you. And that's exactly how we wanted it. Because the first book that I wrote on social selling is not about my journey and stuff. It's about you hand. So I've just sold 600 copies to SAP. You know, you hand it to the salespeople and say, read this and, and start doing this. Or update your resume. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then get Tim Hughes in. Um, <laughs> with marketing, what this is about, it's a change program. And we go through the process of saying, this is what you need to do. Baby steps. This is the baby steps you need to go through. This is where it will go wrong. This is the pushbacks you get. Now, what we're finding is that actually sales generally, it, it, we, we do get people that still think that cold calling works. Which they're free to continue trying, I suppose. It's, until a, free, they... it's, a, it's a free world, yeah. yeah. There's, there's lots of walls to bang your head against. And what we're finding is probably the biggest difficulty with this is marketing. And I don't know whether it's because... So I'm a, as a salesperson, I never did a degree in sales. You know, you I did my degrees in electrical electronic engineering. And then I thought, hey, that's sales stuff looks fun. I'll go and do that. And a lot of people then kind of fall into it. And I don't know whether it's because marketeers did it for five years at university and feel that this is what I've done. Therefore, this is what I've got to keep carrying on doing. Yeah, I think that a lot of marketing people didn't necessarily study marketing, but I mean, some who did maybe have learned some old uh, habits. Yeah. Um, but one of the things you mentioned in the book, which is a big burr in my saddle, is that you talk about how marketers don't understand what sales does. And that's why I have so many darn sales books on this podcast, because yeah. the more that uh, the most successful marketers have a deep understanding of sales. 
And I would say, I argue that that's even more so now than five years ago. In my 20s, I was in sales and I didn't understand marketing. And I just spent my time reading marketing books. Mm. And and I, I'm an avid reader of books. And I, I certainly think, so what we're finding in marketing is that we're going, oh, uh, yeah, we're, you know, we're happy with the pay-per-click we're doing. Or we're happy with the email. Yeah, and, you know, we, we got a re- we got 15% open rate. Did you? Did you send them the thing? Oh, yeah, we've got the marketing agency to come in and do a white paper. Right. Well, no one will read it. Yeah, but it's really important. I read an article that we need to have long-form content. Yeah, but no one will read it. What they do is they download it, and then we put it into a file on our desktop that, that you know, we'll read this when we're dead. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, back to death. Very good. Tim. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, well, you know, you, you, you know, you're better off. Uh, or, or, you know, we've got this SEO agency. Yeah, but I can manipulate SEO just by writing blogs. Well, you do. You guys have done very well. So why aren't, you know, you, know, you don't, you know, that some of this stuff, you know, we're working with an organization at the moment. And they said, well, yeah, we've got five content writers on high. And you say, well, you can sack them because right. you don't need them. You know, you're, you've got 2,000 salespeople. If, what, if each of those write a blog every month, keyword optimized blog every month, What's 2,000 times 12? Right. That's keyword optimized pages on the internet that you will get in a year. Right. Well, Tim, can we move from death to sex now? Okay. okay. So on uh, page 148, I could just, you can tell the things that appeal to me. I, yeah, <clears throat> there's there clearly issues I have. Yeah. You talk uh, about how with, with marketers, we're talking to you marketers, okay? Inertia increases exponentially with sexiness. And you talk about, you have this graph, and on the okay. x-axis, excuse me, the y-axis going yeah. vertical, it says glamour. And on the right, or excuse me, on the x-axis, inertia. Oh, yeah. And uh, you say everyone, in, uh, and, and down, it goes from upper left down to lower right. And it says sponsorship, advertising, marketing automation, direct mail, blogging. And you say yeah. everyone in marketing wants to be involved in sponsorship and TV advertising. Nobody wants to be involved in newsletters and blogging, even though blogging will arguably provide a far higher ROI than some yeah. of the cooler projects. So it, I yeah. just found that was interesting, and my content director and I had a good laugh at that because we're doing a fair <laughs> amount of blogging. And, Adam wrote that, yeah. Yeah, that was, that yeah, was yeah. terrific. But I yeah. just wanted to conclude this one part where you say all these issues that, that marketers have, and you, know, I, you, you make these points and... I sincerely believe that you are making an observation, not a criticism. But yes. you say marketing is more critically aware than any other department of how the shifts in buying behavior, or perhaps more accurately, the shift in researching suppliers are affecting businesses on a day-to-day basis. Marketing, yes. the department that once held all of the aces, is now struggling to find its relevance in the modern organization, and the adoption of smarketing is its opportunity to restore relevance and direction rather than simply going through the motions. So, Tim, if readers took only one thing away from the book, what would you yeah. hope it would be? This book is not just the future, it's the right now. And we see this as the organization of that they need to move to to be relevant in the modern time with the modern buyer. And as you say, marketers, can, you know, if you open up LinkedIn, you see stuff whizzing by, you know things have changed. And we've, we, we've got to change with that. So tell me what books have inspired your working career. You're uh, quite the reader. I am. 
So um, uh, I've actually got them in front of me, Doug, because otherwise I'll I'd forget. You're going to get um, a special prize. <laughs> yeah. So I, I remember, and it's actually it's its twentieth. It was it was its 20th anniversary last year. Permission Marketing by Seth Godin. Oh yes. Which is about don't spam people. It's 20 years old. <laughs> right. Yeah. Don't ring people up with irrelevant. You know, there's a you know, person that contacts me. Um, I can uh, my my app enables uh, me to, enables you to get more car parking spaces. I don't have a car park. Yes, but my app is really brilliant. Yeah, but I don't have any car. You know, it's like go away. Permission marketing, Seth Godin. It's twenty years old, but as relevant um, today as it as it always has been. Unbelievably prescient. And I saw him speak at a conference at the one of the inbound conferences that HubSpot has in um, yeah Boston. And he keynoted there, and at the beginning of the presentation, you know, inbound marketing is a little bit about what you're, you've been talking about. It is. And he showed a picture of himself sitting in a room all by himself with a lot of chairs there, and he said, so this is me at the first inbound conference uh, <laughs> years ago when I wrote Permission Marketing. I'm so glad all the thousands of you here now are on board with me. <laughs> yeah. Super. I'd fly to go and see him you know i uh, he's a he's a he's a hero of ours oh me too and i was i was so honored to be able to interview him about his excellent book this is marketing what a book right the, the next one this this is um crossing the chasm by jeffrey a moore yes again now getting quite old but i've taken three products to market using that so i launched in the uk a cloud erp product of for, at a company that i'm not allowed to mention and they were saying just recently that they're now number one in the world. Now, whether they're just saying that because that's what marketers say or uh, whether they are that, I don't know. But I would like to think that I was part of that. Obviously, it's a big company. Mm. I didn't do everything. Recent book that I read that I thought was fantastic was Lost and Founder by Rand Fiskin. Oh, Fishkin. yes. Mm-hmm. I've, um, uh, halfway through it, I told the whole of my board, you need to read this. If, if you're in a startup or thinking about doing a startup, read it. It's got a great thing in there, a funny, really funny chapter on growth hacking. Don't do it. Um, <laughs> there are so many things in that book where he said, this is a lie. All this yeah, stuff and, you're being told uh, about startups and oh, yeah, VCs. Uh, yeah, VCs are wonderful. Yeah, no, about funding and all that sort of thing. Yeah. 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 Um, oh. Another fantastic book that's came out recently. I saw this guy, Sam Conniff Allendyne, uh, speak, a book called Be More Pirate. Oh, I've just discovered that book. I'm yes, I just saw it the other day. I saw it at a bookstore. Yes, yeah, so for readers, just saying no, pirates, that we, we think them as some we usually think that them as as evil, but actually they were the first corporation to believe in inclusion. They had same sex marriages, they had people from all types of backgrounds coming together on the it boat. It was quite the meritocracy. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. You know, diversity, inclusion, all those things that kind of we as a society, we, some of us would like to move to. And he's, Sam is really funny. Oh, terrific. I'll have to check that out. The book that's just changed my life and probably changed a lot of people's lives is Mindset by Dr. Carol Dweck. Mm, yes. Again, I bought that for all of my close friends and uh, board it's fantastic, and you can see people with um, fixed mindsets. It's it's insightful. That's great. Are there any recent or upcoming books that you uh, recommend or are looking forward to seeing come out? Yes. Yeah, so that the um, uh, we we spoke of Mark Schaefer earlier on. Known, 
it's a great book. Mark is just brilliant at breaking things down, especially personal brands and getting you to, you know, it's a, we're going to break you down and then we're going to build you right up. And here's a programmatic way of actually doing it. If you read that, it's the foundation for getting a personal brand. Sales book, The Perfect Close by James Muir. James has become a friend of mine now. If you want to close deals, you can't close deals. It is the brilliant book. And that's not, um, you know, your pen or mine type thing. It's just a really soft, brilliant way of guiding people down and, and, and closing uh, deals. And the book that I read recently, which kicked me up the bum over Christmas, is Gap Selling by Keenan. Oh, yes. I've just implemented his, um, and we've just won up. I, I came out of, came off holiday, waving the book in the air. And it's like, oh, no, Tim's got another book he wants to or, or, us to read. And implemented that. We won our first deal off the back of that today. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. So I've been in contact with him, and he said he wanted to come on the podcast. But if you're connected with him or friends with him, or perhaps the audience, the uh, listeners could say, hey, uh, we want Gap Selling on the Marketing Book Podcast. Yeah, yeah, get, get, get Keenan on. He's a great, he's, yeah. he's, he's value for money. Oh, terrific. Um, yeah. So how best can listeners learn more about you and this latest book? Well, uh, marketing, how to achieve competitive advantage through blended sales and marketing and social selling techniques to influence buyers and change makers are both on Amazon Worldwide. I'm available on Twitter. I'm Timothy underscore Hughes and I'm Timothy Tim Hughes and Hughes is H-U-G-H-E-S. And I'm on LinkedIn and Twitter. Um, and please come and contact me and, and send me a connection request. Yes, but mention the Marketing Book Podcast, or at least say, please, Tim, just send some message other than I'd like to add you to my, uh, yeah, yeah, my yeah, network. Yeah. Just say you've heard me on the, on the Marketing Book Podcast. Yeah. So, uh, Tim, we'll include links to your, your, uh, your site, your LinkedIn profile, your Twitter handle, and all the books you've mentioned. And I'm also going to include links to the interviews of several of the books you mentioned, like James Muir, The Perfect Close, and Mark yeah. Schaefer's Known, and Rand Fishkin's yes. Lost and Founder, and Seth Godin's yeah. This is Marketing, uh, so that uh, listeners can listen to those interviews and then go ahead and buy their books. I, yeah. <laughs> I guarantee you they're, they're absolutely fantastic. They're, they're fantastic. I mean, it, it's an investment in time. It's not um, you know, a negative. Yeah, you're you, you will come away refreshed and uh, educated. Yes. So we're going to include all of those in your episode show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com. And for you, dear listener, if you are listening on your smartphone and you've subscribed to the Marketing Book Podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app, all these links can be found by going to this episode on your podcast player and clicking on the show notes link. The name of the book is Smarketing, How to Achieve Competitive Advantage Through Blended Sales and Marketing. The authors are Tim Hughes, Adam Gray, and Hugo Witcher. Tim, thank you very much for being on the Marketing Book Podcast. You're welcome, Doug. And that closes the book on episode 218 of the Marketing Book Podcast. For more, check out this episode's show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com. And if I can recommend a specific marketing or sales book or other helpful resource for whatever situation you find yourself in, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn where we can chat and I'll try to point you in the right direction. My name again is Douglas Burdett. Special thanks to our sponsor, Blinkist. To support the Marketing Book Podcast and start your free Blinkist trial or get 20% off your yearly plan, visit Blinkist.com slash marketingbookpodcast or just click on the link at marketingbookpodcast.com. And please join us next time as we welcome Teen Zuo to the Marketing Book Podcast to talk about the book he's written with Gabe Weisert, Subscribed. 
why the subscription model will be your company's future and what to do about it. Thanks again for listening to the Marketing Book Podcast. This episode was produced by Sean Armstrong. That was good. It, it's, it was better than the usual standard five questions I get. Oh, okay.